Welcome to Gateway Church. I am the other pastor around here. Our senior pastor is uh, at a family reunion today, this weekend. So you, you get me today. What does he always say before he, before he stands up here and preaches? What does Pastor Paul say? We are a growing family after God's heart. You got it. Let's pray. Lord, I ask today that my words and thoughts that you've given to me will be clear and that people will hear from you today and that lives will be changed because of what you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, God met you when you walked through those doors. He met you right where you're at. And he accepted you right where you're at. With the struggles that you have, the burdens that you brought in with you, the needs that you have, the problems in your life, Jesus met you at the door, accepted you right where you're at. You don't have to fix yourself to come to church. But I want to promise you something. That if you will let him, he's not going to leave you there. At the end of today, Jesus will change your life. And he will give you hope. And he will give me hope. Remember that today as we speak and as I talk to you a little bit about where we're at. Jesus met you at the door, right where you are, but he doesn't want to leave you there. Let me take you back a few years. It was uh, the summer I graduated from high school. Now, I know that wasn't very long ago, but it was a couple of years ago. Careful now, Connie. I had a calling on my life. I was to go to a private Christian institution and get a training in education for ministry. And um, It's called Crown College today, St. Paul Bible College, when I was going to go there. And I believe not only was I called to ministry, but I was called to even go to that school. And the summer that I graduated from high school, you know, I had this party, you know, where they have parties and people give you cards and money and they say, hey, you know, you finished. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not really done. Because I got like four more years left of school. Well, I did it in four and a half. I wasn't that smart. It took me a little bit longer. It's because I like Dr. Alexander so much. They said he get more of his classes. But I remember going, man, I, I'm done with school. I'm 18 years old. I don't, I don't know if I want to go anymore. And I had a calling on my life, and I'd made up in my mind. Nobody else's mind. Nobody else knew. But when fall came around, I wasn't going to go to school. You see, I had a brother who lived on the East Coast, and he was living a different lifestyle. You know what I'm talking about? I grew up in the church. I was a good kid. I was there Sunday morning. We had church on Sunday night, Sam, and on Wednesday night. And during missions conference, we went to church 
every night of the week. I was always there. I was a good kid. I didn't carouse. I didn't get into trouble. And I thought, here's my opportunity. I'm 18. I can make my own decisions. Maybe I just go and play around a little bit. You been there? Maybe some of you are there right now. I don't know. But I thought, I am just going to call up my brother, and I'm going to go out there and meet him. And he was working construction, making good money, doing lots of crazy things. And that looked attractive to me. But at the end of that summer, I had an opportunity to go to Big Sandy Camp. Now, you guys heard a little bit about Big Sandy. Um, It's been around for a long time. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm going to go there because I'm going to have fun with my friends and we're going to hang out and, you know, we just do lots of crazy stuff at camp. And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to pack my bags and I'm out of here. My parents didn't know my plans. My brother didn't even know my plans. I was just going to call him and say, hey, where are you at? Let's, let's, let's do this. But as I walked onto the grounds at Big Sandy Camp, God met me right where I was at. But he didn't leave me there. He brought me to a place where he wanted me to be. So today, when you walked into the doors of this church, God met you, and he accepted you, but he doesn't want to leave you there. Some of you are saying, yeah, that's really good preacher, but... You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the struggles in my life and my sin and my things that I deal with are way worse than that. My question to you is how big is your God? Is he not as big as your problem? Or is he bigger than your problem? He better be bigger than your problem. Or you got the wrong God. I'm going to let you in on a little secret here because lest you think pastors, you know, go to Bible school and then we're perfect the rest of our lives, uh, we're not. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I don't know what I'm doing here, Nathan. I got this thing on. There we go. No, I went too far. As I was preparing this message, and we'll get to the passage that I want to read, Um, it took me back into 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. And I want to read to you what it says here. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness of God was already fading away. You guys remember this story? What happened here today, this afternoon, go look in Exodus chapter 33 and and chapter 34. Moses would go and meet with God. And this was before the tabernacle was built. They were giving directions on what it would look like and how big it was and cubits and how thick curtains were and all sorts of things like that. But Moses used to go to a place called the Tent of Meeting. And he would go into that tent and he would meet with God. 
And when he come out of that tent, his face shone with the glory of God. And he didn't realize it. Kind of like a holy sunburn. Picture that. Moses would go into the tent, he'd meet with God, he'd get direction for the nation of Israel, and he would come out, he'd put a veil over his face. God took him from that tent of meeting to the mountain and told him to bring these two stone tablets, and he created the Ten Commandments. God chiseled them in stone, the old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it all began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. When I was younger, I thought that Moses wore the veil because he was hiding the glory of God. He was hiding it from people. But if you look at that a little more closely, I think he was embarrassed. Because it says the glory of God began to fade from his face. So he'd wear the veil so people wouldn't see that glory fading. Sometimes when we're pastors and we're living in the spirit and ministry is good and life is going good and lives are being changed and people are really excited about the ministry, the light shines. But guess what? We as pastors don't always live there. Sometimes the spirit isn't in control of my life. You can ask my wife. You can ask my kids. Am I a spirit-filled dad and husband all the time? No. Sometimes it fades. Sometimes it fades from your life. Sometimes you struggle in your spiritual walk, and you might even be embarrassed. Because the glory of God begins to fade away from our lives. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you walked into the service here and you're wearing a veil because you don't want people to see that you're struggling in your relationship with God. That maybe the Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit isn't very strong in your life and you're wearing a veil. I struggle in my Christian walk. Moses struggled in his Christian walk. It's right there. You struggle in your Christian walk. I know it. It's a fact. And I tell you that whole story to get to this next phrase. Because verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 doesn't make sense if you don't understand that. Because if you start at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7, which is where I want to start today, it says, now we have this light shining in our hearts. What light is that? The light I just explained to you. The light that Moses had on his face when he went into the tent of meeting and he met with God, he had a holy sunburn. His face shone with the presence of God. And the Israelite people could never experience that. The only people that could experience that were Moses And the high priest, when he would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, to meet with God. But now, because Jesus died on the cross, we have this light 
Where? Shining in our hearts. Are we perfect? No. We ourselves are fragile, broken down clay pots that contain this great, great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Verse 8 through 10 says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Today, you might feel hard-pressed. Maybe it's physical pain that you actually have in your body that you're struggling with and you can't get any relief. Maybe it's mental anguish. Nobody can see it, nobody can experience it, but you're struggling with it. Maybe you feel pressure at your work. Your boss isn't what you thought he would or should be, or the stresses of life are closing in around you, and your family doesn't even understand the struggles you go through. Maybe you're hard-pressed by your family. Your family uh, is not the greatest thing in the world. And you hear us talk about a growing family after God's heart, and you're going, boy, family to me doesn't seem very, very positive. Maybe your financial situation has a chokehold on you, and you brought that in with you today. Maybe you just have stress. Here's how I would explain hard-pressed. Well, don't worry, I'm not going to throw water around this time. If you've been here before, I like to throw water around, get people nervous. Are you going to think, I'm going to ask you, is this glass half full or half empty? I'm not asking that question today. How much does this glass weigh? What do you think? It's real glass. It's not plastic. I asked my wife before I took it. She said it was okay. With water, what does it weigh? 12 ounces, maybe, with the glass and the water. How long can I hang on to this glass? If I hang on to it for a minute or two, it's not a problem, right? Now, if I were to hang on to this throughout the rest of my message, I probably would be switching hands because my arm would get sore, right? After about an hour, I would get tired. After a day, my arm would be numb and paralyzed if I could still hold on to this glass. That's what I'm asking you. What are you holding on to today that might seem kind of small? Like, I got this. This little stress in my work or in my family, it's not a big deal. I can hang on to that. But then after a little while, it gets heavier. And after a day, 
after a year, after a decade of the struggles you've been going through, you're numb and you're paralyzed because of a little bit. How do I release that pressure? I gotta set it down. But where do you set that problem down? At the feet of Jesus. We might be hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Say it with me, I'm not crushed. Oh, you gotta say it like you mean it. I am not crushed. Do you believe that? You might be hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. Maybe you're perplexed. Perplexed means completely baffled or very puzzled. Is that you today? Maybe you came in here and you're struggling with our society because of the crazy things they want us to believe or actually teach from a pulpit. That causes me to be perplexed. But the Bible says we might be perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're not driven to despair. We are hunted down at times by the enemy. Satan's desire is to seek and to kill and destroy you. But the light, the light that shines in our hearts will never let Satan hunt you down. Ever let Satan hunt you down. Folks, we get knocked down from time to time, but we're never destroyed. Sometimes we feel lost. We feel abandoned. We feel hunted. But know this. We share in these struggles because we're Christians. It doesn't mean that those struggles are going to go away. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. There is strength in the struggle that we go through because that light that is shining in us is not our own strength, it's not our own power, it's not our own methods that if we just do X, Y, and Z, then life will be good. No, that light that's shining in us comes from Jesus Christ and only him. And in the Old Testament, they could not experience that other than to look at the face of Moses. But you, if you call Jesus your Savior, have that light inside of you. So no matter what you look like when you came through that door, you have that light inside of you. And I want to encourage you as you go out today to let that light shine. Amen. Don't snuff it out. Don't say, I'm weak, I can't do anything. God says, I know you're weak. That's where I want you, because I want my light to shine out of you. God met you at the door. He accepted you right where you are. He accepted me 
right where I was today when I came in. But now he's calling me and he's calling you to a deeper understanding. I have a friend from a long time ago who is a counselor. And he spent a lot of time with Christians and especially with pastors. And there's a phrase that he uses when he speaks with pastors. And he asks them, what is your drug of choice? Pastors don't take drugs, right? Some do. And he asks them, what is your drug of choice? Is it alcohol? Is it prescription or street drugs? I'm asking you that today. What's your drug of choice? Is it alcohol? Is it some sort of a drug, whether legal or not? Maybe your drug is pity. Woe is me. Maybe it is an emotional state that you tell yourself you'll never amount to anything. But whether that drug of choice is real or it's imagined, we all go to a drug of choice when we hit that dark time in our lives. But God is saying to you today, I am all you need. My grace is sufficient for you and for your sins. My strength is made powerful in your weakness, and my light is a great treasure that's found inside of broken down clay pots. So where are you at today? When you walked in the door, you might think, I'm doing pretty good, life's good, I I don't have any real issues. It's good. Keep holding that glass. And some of you really are struggling with something today. And I don't know what it is, but God does. And he wants to meet you right where you're at. He doesn't condemn you for the struggles in your life. He doesn't condemn you for the sin in your life. He loves you. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants to take you out of that. That's the encouragement of today's message. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Maybe you are hard-pressed. Maybe you feel perplexed. Maybe you do feel hunted down. Maybe you do feel destroyed. God says you have the light and the greatest treasure in the world living within you. Use it. On my way home from uh, lunch this week, I uh, was listening to radio. And uh, a song came on the radio that really put an exclamation point on my thoughts and my message today. And I, I just caught the end of it, and so I came into my office and Actually, I came into Nathan's office. I said, okay, Google this. Pull up YouTube. Get this guy's name on here. I want you to listen to this song. I said, this is what I'm trying to say today. Can you sing this? And we got a great worship pastor. He's like, yeah, we can do this. Let's, let's go for it. So in the middle of the week, I just changed his whole schedule and said, 
We're going to sing this song at the end of the day because I want people to walk out of here today excited about serving God. Yeah, I got problems, but Jesus is here to take them away. And so as they're getting ready to sing this song and some of you are prepared to pray with people, I want to encourage you to come and stand at the front here. And as you sing this song and if you feel moved... I want you to come and pray with these people. They're not going to fix you. They're just going to pray for you. And maybe you don't even know Jesus. You're here and you're just listening to me and going, I, I don't know this guy you're talking about. Yeah, I got problems, but how in the world is he going to help me? Man, put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Because the light of Jesus will come into your broken down, fragile clay jar and make you whole. Will you be perfect? Will you be all good? No, you still struggle. But you got somebody to put your hope and faith in.